Who's ready to be challenged this morning? Yeah? I'm Morgan, uh, and as Donnie said, we are starting summer worship series looking at different psalms. And this summer, we want to highlight different psalms, and some of them will be looked at through the lens of worship. Um, And that's the case this morning. We want to see how the psalms can help us grow in our understanding and practice of our worship of God. Um, So the the Old Testament, the Hebrew canon, is divided up into three primary sections, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. And the Psalms is the book of the Bible that begins that third section, the writings. And in that third section, the, the theme of it all is how do God's people, their instructions for how God's people live out the covenant of that God made with them. How do they live as people of God? And the book of the Psalms, uh, one of the purposes or the primary purpose is to instruct God's people in how to experience the abundant life for which God has created them and redeemed them. And hopefully that's the case with us as we journey through the Psalms, that we will experience a greater Um, manifestation of that abundant life for which God created us and redeemed us. So the Psalms come in a lot of different forms. Uh, There are hymns, there are Psalms of lament, there's songs of thanksgiving, there's songs of displaying confidence in God, there's wisdom Psalms. Um, There's all different kinds. This morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 115, And this morning is going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a couple elements this morning that are going to be a little different. And so I would encourage you to dive in to these different elements. And together, I I really believe that God has something for each one of us this morning. So as I said, it's going to be a little bit different. And so to start, I'm going to invite uh, my young friend Olivia up, and she is going to play a video game for you all. This is a game, and she is going to try to stay up as long as she can. This is a jet ski racing game, um, and so I'm going to need you all to help her encourage her, okay? I need you all to cheer her on. Uh, Yeah, now we're talking. All right, can we switch that over and run that? All right, two, one, go, go, go. All right, first place, first place. Turn, 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 turn. What's gonna happen? Oh, big turn, oh, no, oh, oh. Get back in, get back in. All right, go. All right, let's see, let's get this turn, let's get this turn. Oh, oh, can you believe, all right, give it up for Olivia. That's robbery, what that, what that jet ski did to her there. That was, can you believe that? <laughs> All right, so uh, would you join me uh, in opening up the word of God and turning to Psalm 115? I'm going to read through all of it. 
Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to man. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. So Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, of which 115 fits in that, right, um, are known as the Egyptian Hallel. Um, and the Egyptian Hallel, um, if you hear that word, it, they're songs of praise, psalms of praise about Israel's uh, exodus from Egypt. So Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Egyptian howl. Howl might sound familiar to you in that it's, there's another word you might know that sounds kind of like it. Hallelujah, right? I don't know if you know this or not, but hallelujah is Hebrew for praise the Lord. Howl is praise, and then you is the, the ending for second person, but Yah is the short form for the proper name of God, what God calls himself, Yahweh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So these six Psalms, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, were read and sung at every Jewish festival including Passover. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, it says that at the Last Supper, that Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn before they went out, uh, and Jesus then went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it is these psalms that it could possibly have been, maybe even likely, that were sung at the Lord's Supper just prior to Jesus' death. But these psalms are the Egyptian howl, and they're recounting Israel's exodus from Egypt and their journey into the promised land. Um, so because Psalm 113 through 118 are in first century Judaism taken more closely together than we might think, um, kind of as individual psalms, I want us to look at Psalm 114, verse 1 through 5, and see what comes just prior 
to 115. Psalm 114, one through five says this, when Israel came out of Egypt, house of Jacob from a people of a foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel, his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back. And remember, when the people left Egypt, they escaped through the Red Sea. And then as they were coming into the promised land, they went through the Jordan River. So in that verse, you can hear them recounting, reflecting, praising God for how God miraculously helped them escape Egypt and then move into the promised land. The mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, O sea, that you fled, O Jordan, that you turned back? Imagine Israel's ecstasy leaving Egypt. We did it. Hundreds of years of slavery, and now we are free. Imagine their ecstasy at entering into the promised land. God was faithful to get us here. I really like Psalm 115.1 in light of Psalm 114. For Israel's freedom from Egypt, who is it that gets the glory? Psalm 115.1 not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Psalm 115.1 is a verse that has been used by many as a meditation. Uh, there's an account of the singing of Psalm 114 and 115 after the battle of Agincourt when the whole army was ordered to kneel at the words, not to us, O Lord. On a very different occasion, William Wilberforce marked the passing of his bill to abolish the slave trade by meditating on this verse. Not to be confused with William Wilberforce, I would oftentimes... <laughs> yeah, let that sink in. <laughs> I would oftentimes recite that verse to myself before playing the piano. As I grew up, I would play in offerings or um, preludes at different times, the church I grew up at, and I would recite this verse, not to me, O Lord, not to me, but to your name be the glory. That was Donnie. <laughs> Donnie reminds me all the time it's not about me. <laughs> he humbles me. And so it was so important for me playing the piano to meditate on that verse. Why? Because it's so easy to make it about us, right? It's so easy for our um, focus to shift towards us instead of Jesus. This verse is a orienting verse. It's a posturing verse. It turns the focus to God. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Can we recite this verse together as a church? Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us. It's as if it is so important and so necessary for it needing to bear immediate repeating, <laughs> right? Not to us, O oh Lord, 
not to us. It needs repeating. It says, if our constant struggle would be shifting the focus from God to us. Uh, There's a quote by an old English pastor named Charles Spurgeon, and it says this on this verse, no praise is due to man. Have we a being? Not to us be the glory. Have we health? Not to us be the glory. Have we outward comforts? Not to us be the glory. Have we friends? Not to us be the glory. Have we means of grace? Not to us be the glory. Have we saving faith in Christ? Not to us be the glory. Have we gifts, graces? Not to us be the glory. Do we have the hope of glory? Not to us be the glory. Do we have any usefulness to others? Not to us be the glory. All praise is due to God. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Why? Because of your love and faithfulness. It is the love and faithfulness of of God which ought to motivate us to live for the glory of God. It is his love and faithfulness which is our motivation. So then in Psalm 115, it shifts from this verse, then talking about The nations. Why do the nations say, where's their God? Our God's in heaven. He does what pleases him. But their idols are silver and gold. And when I read it, did you catch what it said? They have mouths we can't speak, eyes we can't see, ears we can't hear. Yeah, yeah, right? It it continues on discussing the utter and complete worthlessness of the idols. And it says, those who make them will be like them. Those who trust in them be like them. And then it shifts to, are you trusting in the idols of the nations or are you trusting in the God who made the world? So as I was thinking about this, it's talking about the nation's idols and their incompleteness to satisfy. I was reflecting on and thinking about our own nation's idols. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a couple Um, But I was thinking about this and thought of money, power, sex, and self. And so here's what I want you to do. Turn to those around you. And if you don't know the person next to you, tell them your name, and then you can share. But talk to those, spend 45 seconds talking those around this question. Which of these four do you think is the number one idol of our nation? What's the chief idol? All these are idols in different way, but which one do you think is the chief number one idol? All right, go. All right, you can keep arguing about that answer after the service. And if you have a good thought, share it with me after the service. Share it with me. I'll be interested in your thoughts. So then Psalm 115 talks about the utter worthlessness of the nation's idols and then continues on, but the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel, bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear him. May the Lord make you blessed, blessed. It talks about blessing in trusting God. It is the living who praise the Lord, right? And then it ends, praise the Lord. So now I want us to turn to how does this relate to worship? I recently took a poll from all of you over the last couple of weeks. And it was, what is your favorite song? 
So if you're curious what some of the favorite songs of Cornerstone are, here's a sample. So if you're wondering, we have a variety. <laughs> we have a variety of preferences of people's favorites. And if I pulled each one of you on your favorite worship song or your favorite worship hymn, we would get quite the variety, wouldn't we? We'd get something written in the 1600s to something written last week. We'd probably get something that has eight verses to something that repeats the same bridge eight times. We have different preferences because each one of us is unique, made in the image of God and made to um, reflect the infinite creative capacity of God. It's a beautiful thing that we have such a variety of how we best connect to God. But if we're not careful, we can actually, like Psalm 115.1 says, it, it, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. If we're not careful, we can actually turn it where it becomes more about us than it does Jesus. And here's a video to highlight that. If you desperately want that, you can give your 1995 to Donnie after this. Sir. No, that's not actually, a, just to be clear, that was parody. It's all about me. Now, we're civilized people, right? So we would never say that. We would never say, Psalm 115.1 says, to me, O Lord, to me be the glory. We would never say that. But oftentimes, that's the reality. It's like making up an excuse to get off the phone. We've all done it. Nobody admits to doing it. It's something we'd never say, but it's, but it's true. That oftentimes... It's about us. We make worship about ourselves. Former EPC pastor Mike Vonderau said this, and, and this, the first time I heard this, just really hit me. It says, it says this, and it's related to preaching a sermon, um, specifically the sermon. If we leave thinking about how bad we are or how good we are, or if we leave thinking about how good the sermon was or bad the sermon was, we're doing something wrong. We're not worshiping, we're doing something else. We must walk away amazed at who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. If we walk away thinking about something else, we aren't worshiping Jesus, we're doing something else. That's specific to the sermon, but I think that can be related to our worship in music as well. That if we walk away thinking about how great the choir was or how we didn't really like the song they sang or how much we didn't like the worship songs or the band, if we leave walking away like that, thinking about that, we aren't worshiping Jesus. We're doing something else. If our worship here does not cause us to be transfixed on the glory of Jesus, who he is and what he has done for us, we aren't worshiping Jesus. We're doing something else. Our worship 
And the, the whole worship service ought to have us walk out amazed at who God is and what he has done for us in Christ. That is what it boils down to. But oftentimes the, the narrative or the conversation that I've heard a lot in this church and myself included in this is more about externally our mode of worship than it is our internal heart of, of Jesus, of praising Jesus. Oftentimes our conversation is around, should we be more traditional or more contemporary? What's the role of the choir, the organ, the handbells? What's the role of the band, the drums? It's easy to get focused on our mode of worship instead of the person we worship. And we have to be careful to not let our individual preferences get in the way of our worship. It's about our heart. God cares about the heart. It's all about our heart as it relates to worship. The mode is less important when we focus on, man, I just want my heart. I just want to worship Jesus. He's the one. He's the one that we ought to praise. And this is where the Pharisees got it wrong, right? Matthew 23, verse 25 and 26 says this. Jesus says this to them, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. The Pharisees weren't focused on their heart. They were just focused on looking like they were doing the right thing. Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. And I wonder if this is a season for Cornerstone to reorient our hearts towards Jesus. Jesus and Jesus only. It's all about him. It's only about him and so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to throw up two questions on the screen, and I want you to take a minute, spend 30 seconds on each one, just to yourself. Reflect on these two questions. First one, how have you made worship about you? Notice it doesn't say have you. It says how have you, because we all have in one way or another. And the second question is, is a forward-looking question. Spend a moment thinking about, praying about, how is God calling you today to reorient your heart towards Jesus in worship? Spend 30 seconds on each one of those. Just quietly reflect. I don't know if you noticed this, but earlier when Olivia came up to play the video game, controller wasn't plugged in. Sometimes... I feel like our worship can be like that. And maybe if you're parents, maybe you've done this with your kids where you put on a game or something and don't plug in the controller. And then they, they grab the controller and they're acting like they're playing, they're thinking they're playing, but really they're not playing because it's not plugged in. Anyone done that? Yeah. Sometimes our worship can be like that where 
We act like we're playing. We might even think we're playing. But when we make worship about us, when we make it about our own individual person instead of Jesus, oh, we're not plugged in. We're not connected to the source of life. We might be going through the motions, but there's a disconnect there. It's not plugged in. We're not plugged in because we're on the throne of our heart. We are the aim of our own adoration. But we're not left there, are we? Jesus is our source. He plugs us in, even in our failure. What does Psalm 115 say? He will remember us and he will bless us. Jesus purifies our broken praise. He takes our half-hearted praise and he purifies it. He makes it a blessing to God. Dear church, there is only one that we should worship. It's not you. It's not me. It's not power. It's not sex. It's not money. It's not the self. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only one who is worthy of everything. He and he alone must be the focus of our worship. So let's reorient our hearts towards Jesus in worship because he is the only one who is worthy of everything.